Wow, mining a comet. That sounds fun. Yes, there's no safer occupation than mining, especially when you're perched on a snowball whipping through space at a million miles an hour. Ooh! Safe. Welcome to the world of tomorrow. This is Back to the Futurama, your podcast voyage through one of the greatest TV shows Fox ever canceled. I'm Ben. And I'm Mike. And today we are talking about season four, episode eight, Crimes of the Hot. So Ben, I know I've, I've been watching you as we've been uh, setting up the studio today, that you're very uh, interested in what's that, that rope that's hanging from the ceiling. Uh, yes, I was wondering about that. And I want to just let you know that you can pull it at any time now. I say, <laughs> you know, let's just go ahead and do it now. We'll do it live. Yeah. All right. All right. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull this rope that's definitely here in my apartment. Oh, celebrate good times. Come on. You don't see the balloons? Look what the banner. We got past the sad episode of Futurama. We did it. <laughs> we did it. We're having a celebration this week. We it's, did it. It's true. Nothing. I'm kicking balloons all around the studio now. Nothing uh, was quite like the last week where I was just manning the social media and seeing how many people... <laughs> Just how many people last week, we, you and I, doing uh-huh. this podcast, made cry, uh-huh. talking about, admittedly, something we didn't do. That's true. We did not make Jurassic Bark. That's true. But uh, just but, the number of people who are like, yeah, I listened. Yeah, I cried. But we made it through, and that's what all the balloons are for, and we have an ice cream cake. Now, I know you're kind to of- To get so- your piece of the ice cream cake, please tweet <laughs> at Back to Futurama. <laughs> Now I know it may, four to six weeks to, for delivery. It may have melted by then, uh-huh. just as a warning. It will be watertight uh, container, so you can at least reconstitute it at some point. Uh, but I do. I, I will say, like I know it. I know you were kind of surprised to see me when you got home today. But I took the day off. I I did this. I set this all up for you, buddy, because I know it was a rough week for you because you had to man the social media. You had you were the you were the the person that took and saw all of it, and I wanted to make sure that you understood that we did it, and we 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 don't have to talk about the sad episode of Futurama anymore. On the plus side, somebody did tweet at me, and she is decidedly hashtag Team Mike's wife. That's true. So she's pretty. <laughs> Stacy's got her own fan club now, and Stacy's pretty great. It's true. I I I now I you know I I. I think I overdid it on the balloons. There's just so many. You know, I know I know that you're doing a bit here. Um, what? But I'm but, doing no, a bit. No, no, no. This translates into a real story. So I was at <laughs> okay. I was at work uh, the other day, and uh, I was walking to the restroom, and the security uh, guard office is right across the hall from the restroom. As they generally are. And so, as I'm walking... No, I was walking out of the restroom. The door is open, and there is a child inside. And about... Okay. 
a hundred balloons and this <laughs> this child in the security office is just spinning around and balloons are going everywhere and balloons are spilling outside of the office and like i think it was one of the security guards daughters but I had no idea what was going on. It was just spilling balloons out of the security guard's office. And then they accidentally popped one and started crying about it. And and the security guard was like, there are literally hundreds of other balloons in there. I think it's fine if you popped one. And uh, I logic, don't... Your logic don't, won't work here. I don't know. I don't know what was going on. <laughs> With that whole situation. And and now you have it again in your apartment. <laughs> so if I pop one, there will still be a few hundred left. It's fine. But I will cry. Okay. Uh, I thought we left the crying behind last week. This week, though, <laughs> we're talking about Crimes of the Hot. One that's actually not sad. It's very hot, though. It's very hot. It uh, takes me back to last summer when we were recording all those Christmas episodes. <laughs> yes, it's... And it was 105 degrees and, like, we were dying. Yeah, and yeah. and now we're freezing to death. <laughs> Your apartment is not that cold. It's true. Yet. We, we, we can't have the heat on while we record because it makes too much noise. So, uh, <laughs> at the beginning of the episode, they are at Planet Express. Uh, it's a very hot day and everyone's chilling out. On this uh, like patio area, that yeah. I don't think we've ever even seen them out here. Uh, on no, before. we've we've seen them on there before for Freedom Day. Right? Yes, you're correct because it's where the the naked hot tubbing happens. Yes, you would think I would pay attention to the naked hot tubbing. I, I think you were paying attention to other things. Fantastic speeches about Freedom Day. Mm-hmm. It's true. It was a very good. It was a touching speech. It was a very touching speech. Zoidberg so again. They are out on this patio, uh, and there's a a big swimming pool that Leela's putting instant water into. Just add water. Uh huh. She opens a bag, going, "Yeah, it's very good. It's like, a it's like a very Leela like, thing. Like her, like r- sound when she kicks somebody. She must be the worst roommate. Like she opens up a a drawer and goes, "Yeah," <laughs> or like. <laughs> Pushes buttons on the microwave like yeah 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 yeah. <laughs> I never put that together, but I will say this: she does have her own apartment by herself. Remember one BBI, which is which is what? And no, I know that's why she has to live by herself because she's the worst roommate. <laughs> I guess it's what happens we've, when you're. We figured orphan. it out. We figured out why she lives alone, and it's because she makes karate noises with every action she does. It's true. So the in, the bag of instant pool water, which is also includes dead leaves, uh, is opened. It's poured into the uh, poured into the pool. Did you say porn into the pool? Now we know that I can't words good. Just okay. Just pointing that out. Okay, thank you. I look forward to the jokes on this one. Um, anyhow, um, sh- so she pours pours it into the pool, and it's uh like uh freeze-dried or you know powdery and she pours a little bit of water on it and then all that powder it erupts into enough uh water to fill the pool yep and then nibbler comes in and drinks it all he sure does but it's full of chlorine which is an interesting callback because there's an episode where uh flexo 
mm-hmm. comes up and opens his compartment and is full of chlorine. And that in this one, everybody collapses because of the, the chlorine that Nibbler burps up. And then uh-huh. even Bender is like, oh, wait, chlorine. And he like kind of rusts up. I don't know if it's technically rust. Well, I mean, it looks enough like he's rusting I don't, all over. I'm not a chemist. Although if you're a chemist, we do we do have physicists now pointing out how hard you have to hit a Blurns ball in order to get it into uh, orbit around Earth. That also happened on Twitter this week. I I did see that one. I was like, oh, you're fact checking us. <laughs> These two goofballs that I don't think have said a correct thing about anything in they, this podcast. They did su- suggest if we had other questions, we could contact Neil deGrasse Tyson. Which it's true. Neil deGrasse Tyson, if you're listening and want a guest on this podcast, please let us know. Tweet it back to Futurama. <laughs> uh, I, I feel like, uh, I, d- I don't remember the person's name, but they're really going to like our uh, later discussion of the the mirror in space that happens. So, uh, yeah, the, they're just all very hot and just can't seem to cool down. So they go back inside. And the professor, for some reason, decides that the thing that will really take their mind off of how hot it is is watching an old film strip about what causes global warming. It's called Global Warming or None Like It Hot. Which is the second Some Like It Hot reference we've gotten. Because I know we've talked about, uh, talked about Some Like It Hot. No, we didn't. We talked about The Magnificent Three. Yeah. Which was originally The Magnificent Five? Yeah. <laughs> it's, I, I barely know what you're referring to in the Futurama way. <laughs> okay. I'm, Ma- I'm the not- Magnificent Three was the, the movie that Harold Zoid yes. created. Yes. We talked With about Calculon it. and Zoidberg. We talked about it because it the title is based off of The Magnificent some number that we, f- I guessed and the got mag- it correct, but magnific- don't remember now. The Magnificent Variable. The Magnificent N. And I got it <laughs> I got it confused because there's also, I mentioned that there's a Magnificent something on the game Beautiful Joe. Mm-hmm. And there's also a Some Like It Red Hot level on Beautiful Joe. I'm getting it all mixed up. This is all very interesting <laughs> podcasting and you're all welcome. Yes, for- this is something, certainly. Uh, this. Let's see. Our description let's see, of what we did before. Let's see how much of this conversation makes it into the final product. If not, this is an outtake now. Hooray! So this movie is kind of uh, amazing. Uh, it has. It basically describes uh these sun rays that are shown as like businessmen in like in hats and have briefcases but they're like like, like a like 50s businessman a 50s businessman but he's like flames all over and he comes to earth to brighten the earth's day and like hangs around for a little bit it's like now it's time to be on my way and then this gang literal gang of like gangsters of uh of greenhouse gases beats him to death and then lays like piles of corpses of these Sun rays. Global warming is literally described as a pile of rotting corpses of sun rays on the earth. <laughs> but f- Which I'm pretty sure is how science happens. That's I, real science. Oh, clearly. Sh- 100%. Oh, 100%. Uh, uh, please don't add us. Unless you're Neil deGrasse Tyson. Then absolutely do tweet at Back to Futurama. Um, but fortunately, the politicians found a cheap, last-minute way to combat global warming. 
Since 2063, they drop a giant ice cube into the ocean every so often. Due to the buildup of greenhouse gases, though, it takes more and more ice each time, solving the problem once and for all. But once and for all! (laughs) (laughs) I love that joke in the episode so much because it's, instead of me, Uh Mike, yelling at my co-host, Ben, it's this grown man yelling at this, I think, four-year-old. Uh-huh. And this four-year-old girl who who earlier in this short had her ice cream completely melt before she could have any is now being yelled at by this grown man. It's a tough day for her, man. <laughs> Very like, tough. <laughs> also, I'm my, still laughing at me yelling at you. My, I my, do that surprisingly often. My favorite bit that we do on this is where we literally just r- redo re- the joke. Yeah, literally regurgitate it. Because that's literally just all that, like... Yeah, we're dumb and people listen we to sure this. Are. It's great. At that point, Leela is like, "Well, who's who? What losers uh, have uh, are supposed to be dropping the ice into the ocean?" And at that point, Nixon calls and is like, "I'm hiring you, losers, to deliver the ice." My favorite thing is that as soon as Nixon comes on the screen, Zoidberg immediately stands up and salutes. My favorite thing about this is that. They don't understand, like, none of them at the at this table who are watching this film on global warming when it's really hot out to get their minds off of how hot it is. Mm-hmm. There's a lot going on here already. None of them understand that the, the solution up till this point has been to put giant ice cubes into the ocean. And then when Nixon calls, he literally just says, I'm hi- quote, I'm hiring you losers <laughs> to deliver the ice. Like, they should know what they're talking about. <laughs> exactly. It's fortunate they watched this video. It's very fortunate they literally just watched <laughs> this educational film strip. It's almost <laughs> like it's contrived in some way. Weird how that happens. It's weird how a plot in a show just kind of finds its way moving along. So they are hired to get the ice. The only place to get ice, uh, that much ice, without bugs in it, is Haley's Comet. Dun, dun, dun. So they go to... <laughs> They go to the comet. (laughs) Because there's no safer occupation than mining, especially when you're perched on a snowball going millions of miles an hour. Woo! 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 (laughs) Safe. I think that's probably my favorite professor (laughs) moment in the entire series. I I, I really do. uh, I know know we don't want to bring up last week so much, but uh, me, professor, lava, hot is always my favorite. That's pretty good, too. It's a very good. I just, I just love how enthusiastic though he is when he's like, "Woo, woo, yeah, he, woo, woo, safe." He becomes very bendy for such a rigid character, <laughs> Bridget, because his bones will break. Um, but no, he's I just so old. It's just, I, I'm pretty sure that's my favorite. Pro- it's well, hold on, hold okay, on, hold I'm on, hold on. I'm literally holding onto the table. Angry Dome is obviously my oh, favorite clearly. professor moment. Well, that's less. That's of, a given. Yes. And that's less of a quote than just like seeing him rah, 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 in the Angry Dome. Second favorite, because everyone's favorite is Angry Dome. Yes. Uh, or else you're wrong. Exactly. Don't add us. <laughs> Second favorite is him describing mining a comet. It's very good. I, I I think I can nitpick with you on Professor Lava Hot, but you know we're 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 in the stratosphere of the the good good uh, moments of the professor. I think. So they show up to Haley's Comet with a giant styrofoam cup. Strapped to the top of the ship. Bender deploys the ice drill. 
um, which basically makes a giant ice dispenser um, like you'd see in a, a hotel or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, they start the ice drill by pushing the cup uh, to push down the little thingy mm-hmm. that just like you would to get ice, mm-hmm. uh, but the comet is literally out of ice. Completely out of ice. And then, uh, so yeah, they have to come back without any ice. Um, and the news is reporting that the polar ice caps have completely melted. Causing biblical floods. And the African turtles have migrated to Holland. Uh, and one uh, on this newscast footage, one of these turtles falls over on its back <laughs> and Bender literally starts crying. Uh-huh. Um. So so he kind of deflects from being emotional. Uh, but Leela says, well, at least the windmills in Holland will surely keep those those turtles cool. Windmills do not work that way. <laughs> I love I love how he yells that and then immediately turns to the audience and yells, Good night. I just love that more because you can use that Morbo moment for like any blank does not work that way. It's perfect. Computers do not work that way. Good night. Exactly. Oh, I like that. Oh, I might use that. Well, I probably won't. That seems very aggressive. I had, I don't think he retweeted it, but um, I got a tweet favorited by Will Wheaton once because he and the bad astronomer Phil Plate, who I have mentioned on this podcast before, he's great. Follow him on Twitter. Um, Get him to add us. He, there was this comment that was going around the sun. And it was right around, um, it was right around Hanukkah, okay. and so Will Wheaton made this joke about how this comet was supposed to uh, survive for one day, but like there was uh, because it, this comet was there's like a, a a good chance it was going to be torn up by the sun's gravity. Sure. And when they first thought that it was going to make it back around. Will Wheaton tweeted that it was supposed to last one day, but it lasted seven. Mm-hmm. And pretty then good, I, good I tweeted at them both a, an image of Morbo that just said, comets do not work that way. <laughs> and he favorited that tweet. And uh, that's pretty good. Yeah. So I'm telling you, just use use Morbo for everything. It's true. Um, so the it shows that the temperature is climbing past 120 degrees. And Bender uh, comes up to everybody who's sitting on the stoop of uh, Planet Express and saying, and has a turtle that he saved named Shelly. He, well, everybody questions him on this, and he points out that not only does he care about himself, he also cares deeply about things that remind him of himself because they both have a tough outer shell but lead rich inner lives. Also, they can't get up when they're knocked over on their back. Uh, the group kind of tests this, and they knock him over onto his back, and he can't get up. As Bender laments sharing his vulnerability with, with the group, a truck that has civil defense on the side drives down the street, calling all scientists to a worldwide conference on global warming in Kyoto, Japan. <laughs> and there's a scientist that runs up that's like, I've got a degree in homeopathic medicine. You've got a degree in baloney. And uh, I didn't know this, but I, I looked it up on the infosphere because uh he his degree is from evergreen state college okay which i didn't realize was a real college till i moved out to this area it's a college up in olympia washington um and so i looked it up that's where matt graining went to college oh there's layers to this layers yeah interesting that's that's a that's a good infosphere uh 
a deep dive, I think. I've got a couple of other good deep dives Ooh. that we will get to. Uh, yeah. I did my research for this episode for once. <laughs> <laughs> you did more than me, my friend. Uh, the professor doesn't want to go to this global warming conference, and he starts making up a ton of excuses. Her- Hermes says he hasn't acted this suspicious since he found, air quotes, ape bones in the basement. And eventually, without really being cajoled into it, mm-hmm. the professor is just like, all right, damn it, I'll go. I love some of his excuses like, I'm cooking a turkey. I have to fill out warranty cards. Those are my favorite two weekend activities. It's true. I, I can't think of anything else I do on the weekends. So they go to Kyoto, the anagram lovers Tokyo. <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> it's so fantastic. Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so it, it has a red carpet uh, where all the scientists are like having their pictures taken. and Yeah, it's like a, like a Hollywood red carpet yeah. event almost. Joan Rivers is even there. Yeah, uh, describing the fashion scene. So, you know, standard white lab coat and he's wearing a Casio watch. Um, so we're inside now and the civil defense truck that we described earlier is on the stage and announces the host (laughs) of the convention. I forgot that the civil, like I just watched, literally just watched the episode like an hour ago. (laughs) I forgot that the civil defense truck is literally the MC at this (laughs) event. It's very good. Like, here's the weird thing about this. Okay. Because... I know it on a logical level. It's never really registered as weird to me <laughs> because of just how much into the Futurama universe I am where I'm just like, of course. oh, yeah, no. Yeah. The the civil defense truck is obviously the MC oh, of this clearly. Uh, conference on global warming in Kyoto. That makes total sense. <laughs> 100% sense. Perfect. Um, anyhow, the civil defense truck, who is the MC to this <laughs> global warming conference. I'm just, I'm thinking. <laughs> it's fine. I'm just, I'm questioning my own <laughs> abilities. You, no, here's what you did. You just kind of like, oh, yeah, that's, uh, you accepted it and you didn't think about I it I just again. accepted it. I didn't, I've, I've literally never taken a moment <laughs> to consider that it was a civil defense truck. <laughs> this has been Ben's critical thinking corner. <laughs> that is the most ironic corner i own uh i love you ben uh anyhow so the shovel defense truck who is the mc to the global warming conference announces the host of the convention the inventor of the environment and the first emperor of the moon al gore and he shows up and he's just he proclaims i have ridden the mighty moon worm everyone is just you know cheering and clapping and fry goes good for him can I just say how much I enjoy Al Gore's presence in this episode? Because he's been in this before. Mm-hmm. As we mentioned in uh, the Tales of Interest episode, he's in. His daughter actually wrote for mm-hmm. Futurama. So, like, I understand all of that. Um, and we've, we've mentioned it before. But, like, this he's just so good in this episode. Yes. Like, he was good in the other episode. Um, but I love... Every moment Al Gore is yeah. on in this episode. He, he's not in it much, but he's he's very good when he is. I agree. Um, Al Gore has written two books on global warming, Earth in the Balance, and the much more popular Harry Potter and the Balance of Earth. <laughs> I love that joke just so much. 
Um, the books call for protecting the planet from pollution and dark wizards. <laughs> and then there's a there's a wizard who looks like Tim the Enchanter yes. from Monty Python and the Holy Grail, and he's like, "Oh sure, blame the wizards." <laughs> It's very good. Now, I want to know what that wizard is doing I at know. this global warming conference in Kyoto, Japan. Well, clearly he is a PhD in wizardry. Okay. And that's a science at his school, which I'm assuming is Hogwarts. Or... It's almost... Insert other... I know there are more schools than just Hogwarts, but I cannot remember them off the top of my head. That's slightly better than a degree in homeopathic medicine. Clearly. They accepted him into the conference. It's true. Um, basically, Al Gore offers a bag of moon sapphires to the scientist <laughs> that can solve this problem once and for all. And the, oh, the, <laughs> the, wizard. the wizard is just like, with those, I could open the gates of Garash. Like, <laughs> so great. I love, I love this dark wizard character who exists for a grand total of about six seconds, six seconds. It's. I want more about this dark wizard. I I just want may, less maybe half an episode. Just I think that's all you need. I think I think you'll get diminishing re- returns really quickly. The first person to present at the conference is Professor Wernstrom. Wernstrom. And his plan is to uh, he it's not even a plan. He's already done this. Yeah. He had a plan and he executed on it already. He has constructed a giant mirror that is in orbit that would, he he words it as would reflect, but he literally activates it, and then it does reflect 40% of the Earth's rays. The sun's rays. Mm-hmm. The, yes, that's what I meant. <laughs> I mean, the Earth could put out rays as well, I suppose. You know, uh, Ray Charles. Oh, okay. All right. Ray from the Ghostbusters. Okay original rays well sure famous original rays there you go uh original famous rays uh-huh mm-hmm. um so 40 percent of those everybody loves raymond that one that counts so 40 percent of those are going to get re- reflected back they're to Earth. going to get reflected with this mirror and then we no longer have to deal with them wait n- wouldn't we have two of them or 1.4 Four of them. Uh, dang it! We're multiplying our rays. <laughs> See, this is the problem. Okay, okay, okay. Let's go with his original plan that I didn't screw when I was <laughs> I was trying to say that I screwed up. It reflects forty percent of the sun's rays. Okay. Away from Earth. Okay, good. Then we get rid of those. We get rid of those, uh, and we're stuck with everyone loves Raymond. Well, I mean that that show's been canceled for a while, my man. Just like, just like the one we talk about on but, the podcast. But we're still stuck with it. It still exists and has not been reflected away from the Earth to die in space in obscurity it's, for all time. It's true. It has not been bl- uh, blasted out of a cannon into the sun as of yet. Which I don't know if you can like put a concept out into the sun. But For the record, I don't actually have any <laughs> specific beef with Everybody Loves Raymond. Yeah, nothing specific. Just general. General beef here. I just, I have problems with the premise that it's making the assumption that everybody loves Raymond. Not everyone's going to like you, and that's okay. Okay, so we're, we're st- when we talk about this show and you're 
grievances with the show. We start with the literal title of the show. The title is the thing you're going to see first in this show. Because before you know what it is, your friend is going to come up to you and be like, Sup, Mike? You see every- last night's Everybody Loves Raymond? And you'll be like, what the hell is that? And then... No, I would say, I have not seen that television show. I wouldn't be like, what the f- what the <laughs> hell is this? I can't... I don't love this man. Maybe we have different, different reactions to that question. Maybe. Look, I just... I hold some issues with it, okay? I mean, I'm, I, there are, you have perfectly good issues with it. I just wanted to make sure that we were starting with the title and then moving on. Okay. Good. Okay. Yeah. I mean, don't judge a book by its cover. Except, but, for, ex- but except for. If a book tells you, I practically guarantee that you will love this book because I, the author, know you better than you know you, signed the author of this book, you can probably judge the book by its title okay fair i suppose Mm -hmm. um what (laughs) so what what, what about harry potter in the title of the book so where you're where the the lesson is to not judge a book by its cover because neville or something i don't even know what you're talking about so (laughs) failed bit so I feel like we need to have like a failed bit alert sound that just comes down whenever I'm about to make a di- a dumb joke. Uh, hmm. It I would be going I, most of the time. I wonder how much. I wonder how much <laughs> one of those would cost, and if my landlord would be fine with me installing that in my apartment. I mean, as long as you use like command strips, I think it's probably fine. So Wernstrom has this mirror. Yeah, that is. He he turns it on, <laughs> and it literally. F- reflects 40% of the sun's rays back from earth and everybody immediately is just like ah oh, phew cuz it's immediately cooler uh-huh. and then the tiniest of tiny meteorites hits the mirror and then it slowly flips around and it it goes from pre- uh reflecting the earth's rays to directing them into a death beam that just slowly makes its way across the city yeah, I I I feel like there's something wrong with the physics here on a mirror. Cuz at one point it's literally pointing you they there's a scene of the mirror itself, just a shot, and it's reflecting like Fry and Leela and Bender. I don't think there would continue to be a death ray there. Probably not. Unless it's some kind of like weird um mirror slash uh uh Oh. trombone you're making a trombone no what's the what's the th- the the magnifying glass good lord why did i <laughs> why was that my when my brain was like no you're not gonna remember these words nope you are making a trombone well, motion mean, you get closer and farther away to make sure you can focus the light at the ants you know or to you, change the pitch on your trombone so the the rest of this podcast i'm protesting all right, flying solo. So Al Gore says, all right, what else you got? And then the professor demands the floor. It's good because it's his turn. And, well, that was a quick protest. And then... It's over. I, 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 had, <laughs> I, I, got it. I was able to jump back in. Um, so yeah, the, the professor gets up and he's like, I know exactly what's causing the global warming, but in my shame, I've hidden it for all these years. 
Uh, and uh, he pulls out a memo ray. It like, it's looks a, like a gun. It looks like a gun, and he points it at his head. And Fry literally jumps only, up. Only Fry. Yeah, only. <laughs> Nobody else. Everybody else is just sitting down calmly. Yeah, everyone's like, oh, yeah, it's a memo ray. And, uh, See, memo ray. Exactly. We got to save that one. And then fr- um, the professor is like, what? Use this memo ray to remember exactly what happened? And then he pulls it, and then it cuts to a scene on October 17th at 1.54 p.m. as 14 birds are flying by the window. He, he got a lot of details on that He one. got a lot of details. Um, he's working in his lab at Mom's Friendly Robot Company, where he seems to be designing what looks to be a pretty good uh, replica of uh, C-3PO. Um, he mentions that robots back then were slow-moving, stiff, and a little uptight. It literally is like, might I offer Master a tender kiss on the forehead? And and Farnsworth says, I failed again, and he crushes, <laughs> crushes it with it. a hydraulic press. The sounds that it makes as it's getting crushed. It's just saying, oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. No, I'm talking about like the, oh, well, the yeah, crunching the- of like, it sounds like crushing an aluminum cam, can very slowly. It really is. It's very good. It's effective. M- Mom is pressuring him to build a bigger, sportier robot. Uh, he succeeded to doing this by reducing the full fuel efficiency. So, m- yeah, mom's just like, well, we'll just reclassify them as a sport utility robot and uh, it'll be fine. Because <laughs> otherwise it won't meet f- emission standards. And then uh, the professor was like, I knew what I was doing, but I was young and in love. And then in this flashback, he, he climbs on a table, yawns, and then starts making out with mom. And immediately everyone's like, I think we could have gone without that making out part. Including Al Gore, <laughs> which I really enjoy. It is very good. And then so Wernstrom is immediately like, aha, I knew it all along. Then in that case, the best plan is to immediately destroy, dismantle, and and deactivate down, yeah. all the robots. The professor kind of tries to argue a little bit, but the uh, the civil service <laughs> truck comes up and says, the conference is over. And Al Gore go- needs to go to <laughs> Jupiter to collect cans. He's like, peace out, y'all. <laughs> and then he j- rockets come out of his little head jar. And then he just boot- like lifts off into the sky. I love it so much. I love much. that so much. That's another... <laughs> if we, it, I'm not saying we do this, but... Okay, but what are we going to do? If <laughs> we started a GIF of the episode, uh-huh. Ooh. Al Gore would... Uh, Al Gore shouting peace out y'all and then shooting jet- up into the sky basically jetpacking away is is my gif of the week this is our new segment back to the futurama's gif of the week uh the scientists start chanting destroy all robots and bender collapses into his torso as shelly retreats into its shell back at planet express they're trying to lure Bender out of his chest compartment with a beer, described as a Bender snack, which I'm surprised Pretty... I haven't called beer Bender snacks before. I know. I'm kind of surprised by it, too. I've already had a Bender snack today while recording, which is, why you, which is why this is quality programming this week. Back, back to the Futurama is brought to you this week by Bender snacks. It makes your output worse. <laughs> So uh, after after they successfully trick Bender from coming out of his compartment, he gets faxed a... a there's a lot going there's on. There's a lot going on in this. He gets faxed a... a card. In, a card that is an invite to a party. 
hosted by Richard Nixon, which is described as an all-night beach rager for robots on the Galapagos Island. Also, attendance is mandatory. Uh, Zoiberg starts talking through <laughs> why Nixon, a noted awkward and uncomfortable man, would throw a party. It's a trap. I why ha- is there no gasping? I like how long Zoidberg is just standing there deducing everything bit by bit. And then Leela's just like, yeah, we all figured that out immediately. And poor Zoidberg. He went through this whole journey. And <laughs> oh, everybody knew. It's true. Uh, Bender uh, goes to head to the island. I will point out, though, Zoidberg was right. Zoidberg was right. Team Zoidberg. Like, a lot of times he's not. This This time, time, right on the money. Nailed it. Took him a while. Took him quite a while, yes. But he nailed it. He sure did. Bender goes to head to the islands, but Fry tries to stop him, saying they'll put fruit on him and call him a bull. They'll hide him. Bender gives this whole speech about how, as Fry knows, there's many things that Bender's willing to kill for. Jewels, vengeance, Father O'Malley's (laughs) weed whacker. But in getting Shelly, he's finally found something that he is willing to die for. And so he's like, you can't talk me out of this. I'm going to the party. So they go, all the robots, all over the world. There's this montage um to uh the song i think it's just called get down tonight i didn't note the song um you know it's the one do a little dance oh yeah yeah, yeah. I, th- I think it's just called get down tonight i um, think so i did research on things <laughs> not relating to the names of songs no so the, the real research happened there's this montage to that song where everybody uh, all, all robots. the robots all over the world are making their journey to the galapagos islands whether it's in cities or in deserts or jungles or a giant robot boat and they're all really excited the weird thing is that bender immediately figured out this was a plot none of the other robots literally no no other robots on the entire planet not a one figured out that this was a trap as they get to (laughs) the best part is how like incredibly transparent it is because when they reach the islands it has a sign that says tonight big robot party tomorrow (laughs) big scrap metal giveaway they show up and uh bender is really sad because he he knows he's about to die yeah and um he's like oh you know maybe a beer will help and then he starts pumping this keg and it turns out it's a robot and uh the robot's like, don't stop. Gross. And it's it's maybe one of the crudest jokes in all <laughs> of the original run of Futurama. It's, it's in fact, I was going to bring it up. Uh-huh. Oh, I, I was going to bring <laughs> oh, it up. Oh, good. Because it is uncomfortable. It's very uncomfortable. This was on Fox. Like, Granted, it's Fox, but still. Still, I just, I don't, I don't think there's any joke cruder than this in the entire original run. I mean, I can't think of one. Boy, howdy, this is. This is crude. Specifically because of how the robot says it, too. It's creepy. Please don't use that as the opener to this episode. <laughs> I guess the the listener will already know if he did or not, but I'm just pleading with you. Please do not. So so after like a whole lot of partying is happening, uh, Nixon tells them to enjoy the next two hours and don't leave um, as he goes up to pick up some smokes. Really good smokes. Remember, two hours. Uh, uh-huh. Then Nixon and the headless body of Agnew head into a helicopter. <laughs> As the Crushinator forces Bender to dance by picking him up and shaking him around. 
So then it cuts to uh, in space, Wernstrom and Nixon's head and the headless body, headless body of Agnew. That's a lot of words. It's, it's tough to lot. say. It's it's tough. Uh, they are all in space, and uh, Wernstrom has reconfigured his his weird space mirror to now act as an EMP pointed at the Galapagos Islands. Where he points out that every robot will be instantly and painfully terminated. And they, then Wernstrom <laughs> says, now you give what's mine, Nixon. And Nixon says, headless body of Agnew, you're Wernstrom's now. And then the headless <laughs> body of Agnew makes this... Like, I mean, would you be happy if you got traded to the head of Richard Nixon? Wait, wouldn't I be doing the opposite thing? Because Nixon. Oh yes, wouldn't buy the head of Richard Nixon? Yes, traded by you. The head you of- are currency to Richard Nixon in either of these scenarios. <laughs> I suppose that's correct. I also am surprised that I have a mouth to make that noise because it does not look like Agnew does because he is the headless body of Agnew. You're assuming he made that sound out of his mouth. So, um. Where else would it come from, Ben? That growling sound. If a growling sound happens where I think you're <laughs> describing, you need to go to a doctor, regardless of the stat- the the status of your head. So back on the Galapagos, Bender sort of lets it slip that they are going to shut all the robots off. He's whispering to Shelly, and there's this giant microphone robot right behind him. And as chaos erupts, he kicks over Boxy, the robot... <laughs> And stands on him, and he's like, hey, everybody, we all need to be shut down because we're polluting the planet. So, like, we just we all need to be shut down, especially you, Hedonism Bot. And so we get Hedonism's bot, Hedonism Bot's first appearance in this episode, which is rad. I love Hedonism Hedon Bot. Hedonism Bot is the best. He apologizes for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Um. Uh. So he says, like, we need to be shut off to protect these beautiful turtles. And Preacher Bot, of all characters, uh-huh. immediately insults the turtles. And Bender just starts wailing on him. And it turns into this giant knife fight between the two. It's at that point the Planet Express ship shows up. And Leela and Fry carry the professor to the podium. The professor an- announces to everybody that he has come up with a plan that will stop global warming and prevent all the robots from being deactivated. Uh, right at this moment, Preacherbot hits Bender in the back with a chair, knocking him on his back. The professor says that all the robots need to vent their gases directly upward at the same time to force the Earth, uh, uh, force the Earth into a further orbit from the sun, thus reducing the amount of heat that is received from the sun. Mm-hmm. So every robot points their exhaust vents directly up and vents as hard and as much as they can. It's a lot of belching noises, and it's kind of gross. Uh-huh. There's a giant flame that's visible from space, as all robots do this, but it's not working. Leela notes that some lazy or polite robot is holding it in. Also, there's a robot in this where, like, because mostly it's, like, all these pipes and stuff coming out of robots' heads, or, like, they point their mouth directly upwards, or... Yeah, yeah. There's one robot... Who is like in a crab walk and like he's got a vent like in his crotch. Yes. And is just venting upward. And that one, <laughs> that one always weirds me out. 100% of the time because like it just, it looks very weird. Why was that one included? Well, I mean, we haven't gotten to where Bender vents yet. 
He vents it from his butt like a like a normal person. Like, like has God intended? Like, <laughs> like a normal person. You said. Why is this robot venting from his crotch? You gotta build in the vent where you can, my man. I suppose. <laughs> Sometimes you design it poorly and you're like, well, crap, I got to put it somewhere. And like, this is the place it is. Think about the Death Star. They probably didn't need to put that vent where it was, but it bloated up real good. Actually, in Rogue One, they describe why they did it. Anyway, my point is I'm getting off track. So, yeah, the professor notes that it's not working. And uh, the Jedi, speaking of Star Wars, the Jedi are really going to feel this one as a, a billion <laughs> robot lives are about to be extinguished. Uh, so Bender, uh, after he was knocked on his back by Preacher Bot, can't get up. Um, um, and so as this is all happening on Earth, Wernstrom is bringing the mirror into position. Shelly starts rolling back and forth to try and get to get off of its back. And Ben, as as it does, Bender's like, are you trying to make me look bad? So yeah, the, the turtle eventually manages to get back up on its feet. And then Bender, this like inspires Bender that like maybe he might be able to as well. So he, through great amounts of effort, manages to kind of rock back and forth, get up. And then he's like, time to fulfill my destiny. <laughs> and does a handstand, points his his shiny metal ass directly to the sky and a blue flame emerges from it and this is enough to push the earth out into a further orbit at the same moment wornstrom fires and misses entirely because the earth is moving and then they're just like what we missed and the headless body of agnew gets really upset and then there's like weird awkward fade out to like there this is, award ceremony there is a weird awkward fade it's always like I have to assume that there was maybe more in there or maybe the writers just literally didn't know how to transition from that scene to the ending. I think there's a commercial in there. I think I ha- there has to be something. No, because there's only like there's like two minutes left in this episode at this point. That's true. It's such a weird It's transition. just very weird where it's I, I don't know. It's it's always just been like, well, and it's over. I get. Oh, we've still got to wrap this stuff up. All right, just throw it like it's it's really weird. The, f- the fade is very bizarre. I agree with you there. Um, anyway, back on the Galapagos after the weird fade out um, for saving the Earth and foiling Nixon. Nixon proudly but angrily gives the professor the Earth's new highest honor, the Polluting Medal of Pollution, which literally like gives off a little bit of pollution, and the professor coughs in it, and he's like, "I deserve this," which is maybe the best award acceptance speech ever. It's true. I want to watch the Oscars one year where literally everybody just gets up and goes, I deserve this. Yeah, like every uh, MVP in every sport is like, it's not me. It's the rest of this team. It's like, no, I deserve this. Mm -hmm. Go ahead, LeBron. Just say you deserve it. You probably do, LeBron. Congratulations, QB Eagles, for winning that there Super Bowl. I deserve this. (laughs) I'm just trying to be topical by bringing up the Eagles. Yeah. Because that's a thing that happened. It's true. This last weekend. Sports happened and the Eagles won. They sure did. So they, they won the superb owl. So Bender's like, well, hold on. Now, since we moved the Earth's orbit further out, doesn't that mean the year is longer? One week longer, to be specific. It's been one week since. Sorry. I didn't even do it's been. But you said one week. I know. I know the 
Yes, but usually... Okay, anyhow. It's been... I didn't... I Yes, it one is... One week since you look at me. <laughs> so, Cocked your head to the side and said, I'm angry. They even... <laughs> Damn it, I just know you're going to do it. Uh, Nick, Five days since you left... <laughs> Wow, that Bender snack really worked well for you, my man. This is quality podcasting. Um. Anyway, so so Nixon declares the new week Robot Party Week. All the robots start go back to partying, including the Planet Express crew. But so much pollution is given off by the robots that it obscures the screen and everyone coughs. And uh, before we finish out the episode with with uh, grades, yeah. Um. I did want to point out my other little tidbits of information that I got from the Infosphere. Okay. It points out that science-minded folks have done some math and Good. pointed out that Wernstrom's plan that reflects 40% of the sun's rays back out into space okay. would literally cause an ice age. Good. So not very good there. Yeah. But they pointed out that moving the earth back far enough to add an extra week to the year would actually counteract the effects of global warming to some degree like well just let's, just that much distance would be would be helpful well let's get on it then and have that robot let's party have week. a lot of robots farting and while we while we get that plan into I mean, action, I'll, I'll do what i can while we get that plan into action <laughs> it's time to talk about Grades. This one's a pretty good episode overall. Um, it has a lot of great lines, a lot of great moments. Like I said, I loved Al Gore mm-hmm. in this episode. Um, I love the the dark wizard who shows up for like six seconds. Sure, there's a lot of good jokes. It's a it's a fun episode. Um, it's just never one that I'm super jazzed up to watch. Okay. Um, it just sort of is. And I, I really appreciate it for the humor in it. I don't even think the story is all that bad. It's just not one that really ever grabs me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to say it's a B plus. It's good. It's just not. It doesn't jump over that line to get into the A territory. Okay. But I do think it's pretty good. So, yeah, B+. plus. Okay. I mean, I, I, I'm having a hard time disagreeing with you here again. It's it's very funny. Um, I think possibly if it had... I, I know that there is some like character development that has happened, but it feels like this episode could basically be dropped in at any time. Like, it doesn't really rely too much on, you know, Bender's growth at that moment or, or Fry's growth or anybody's, like... They could drop this in at any point and have this work. Um, I, f- I feel like there have been some, a little bit of growth between, especially uh, we just finished Jurassic Park where Bender and Fry have that moment of like growth towards each other being each other's friends. Sure. So immediately, I, and I know that sitcoms do this where they snap back to the, the status quo, but I think because that was so strong and there was that, that growth, that Bender telling Fry that he finally found something to die for, which is a tur- a mindless turtle, is kind of like, 
well, you could have done something more interesting here. Granted, with with Fox moving p- things around, yeah, they probably yeah, felt sure. like they could not do that. But that being said, I I think it's it's very funny. It, it I do think this is one of the ones that I look forward to. Like when I see it, I'm like, oh yeah, this is g- g- gonna be rad. Um, but I agree, like it it needs something to take it over the top, and it just doesn't have it. Um, I do think I'm gonna give it an A minus though. Okay. Before we get to the the whole end bit here, um, like we kind of teased earlier, we are absolutely working on a March Ocean Madness bracket. Ocean Madness! Uh, where we are going to be having a whole bracket of to finally determine who's the best Futurama character. The annual tradition we are starting this year. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah. Um, I mean, I don't... We don't have a whole lot of details on that right now. We've set up an initial bracket uh, that will probably have some changes on it. Mm-hmm. Um, we did some things where, like, we kind of we kind of doubled up a couple of characters um, who just always are on the screen at the same time. So, like, uh, Mom's sons, yeah, um, Earl and Smitty are like almost always right. on screen at the same time, uh, just to try to get more Futurama characters in there. Um, it's not a final bracket yet, but I think probably by next week uh, we'll yeah. be able to cement something together. Uh, we've got it all set up. You can go and and fill out a bracket, and um, uh, we'll be doing just uh, some votes every week to see who who wins the one on one matchup, and uh, and we're gonna talk about it too. We're gonna talk about that, and it's gonna be fun on a bun. Sure so, is. Um, look forward to that. And you, um, yeah, definitely follow us on uh, Twitter and Facebook, which we'll describe in a moment, and we'll share those links out. Yeah, and when, when it's time when we when we have the whole uh, thing put together, uh, we will also bring it up here for sure. But yeah. also, if you're you're in, you're worried your your favorite, probably more obscure character is going to be missed, uh, just send us a tweet. Yeah, let us know who you absolutely want to uh, to see on this because we tried to. I mean, obviously we've got the whole main crew, but also we tried to get in a lot of more obscure um, characters. Like uh, we've got uh, Michelle and uh, Morgan Proctor and Adelaide Atkins mm-hmm. and uh, Hattie McDougal and mm-hmm. wait, uh, you 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 refer to Hattie McDougal as obscure. We didn't know her name at first. That's, so. that's true, but she does care about her thingamajigger. So yeah, we, we tried to make sure we had a healthy mix of some more obscure characters. So if there's anybody that you just absolutely 100% want to see, um, send us that info. And uh, there are plenty of ways to send us your requests for the first <laughs> March Ocean Madness Bracket. Brought to you by Back to the Futurama and... No other sponsors want to be a part of this. Uh, we didn't even get molten borax. Not yet. We're working on it. <sighs> Dang it! You can send us an email to Back to the Futurama Podcast at gmail.com. You can tweet at us at Back to Futurama. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Back to Futurama. And we are on Apple Podcasts, so you know, uh, find us, review us, rate us, subscribe, send it to your friends, send it to your your parents, your your kids everybody and let's let's talk about this ocean madness bracket and let's let's get down to the nitty-gritty now which one seed is going to get upset oh man it's going to be 
it's going to be crazy. I did forget to to point out it's going to be randomly seated because oh, yes. I'm not willing to take the time to actually sit down and figure out any way to seed this in any way. So it's going to be totally random. And random works for me. That's going to be going to be fun. So uh, yeah, I was I was like, man, what did I promise? And then I, I set up <laughs> the I set up the initial like test bracket. And I filled out my own bracket. I'm like, oh, no, this is going to be so fun. I'm, I'm so looking <laughs> I'm forward to this. I'm super looking forward to it as well. Uh, so, yeah, we'll have more details on that next week. And uh, I think that does it for us this week. Mm-hmm. So uh, until next time, I'm Ben. And I'm Mike. Goodbye, Goodbye from, from the world of tomorrow. tomorrow.